Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate you tuning in today. Hopefully you're going to sit back with us and, and enjoy, or, you know, we even like your opinion. Um, today I had to get a little help of a spiritual short sort because I'm a little annoyed. And I don't like starting out my day being annoyed because there's so much more that can happen during the day that will make you that way. And I'm saying annoyed to just put it mildly. Because um, I woke up, you know, I turned on the news. I try to get a little bit of stuff. You know, the news is kind of, uh, and, and this is coming from a former news producer, um, kind of annoying anyway. But um, the thing is, is that, I saw where there's, um, I guess, a televangelist by the name of Greg Laurie. I've kind of heard of him, but don't really know a whole lot about him. But anyway, he's getting ready to have this event, um, August 17th through 19th, Angel Stadium and everything like that, uh, nowhere near here. But the thing about it that got me is he had a billboard out to promote his event, and in the billboard, he's holding a Bible. And it, the billboard was at a mall um, in, in Orange County, California, uh, something called Fashion Island. Okay, whatever. Anyway, and um, they made him take it down. Or, well, I guess he volunteered to take it down, I guess, but um, because I guess someone was offended that he's up there holding a Bible. God help us. Anyway, uh, so in order to kind of just get a little perspective, I want to talk about religious freedom. I want to talk about uh, tolerance or intolerance of um, the freedom of religion, and I needed someone to kind of, I guess, calm me down and try to get some perspective of a spiritual sort. Um, So I've asked Pastor Hugh Harmon. He's one of our hosts on Never Had It So Good. His show is called Bridging the Gap. Uh, Pastor Hugh, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, well, you hear how I'm doing. <laughs> I heard. I should have said. I was going to follow up and say I already heard how you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being a little annoyed <laughs> by what what you saw. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not surprised by what I what happened. Uh, but we'll we'll get deeper into that as the conversation goes along. Um, okay. Just the times that we're living in. Um, and it's times we were told that we're gonna come. So mm-hmm. part of it is preparation that we should have been prepared for seasons like this um, coming, and know that it's coming. And that's part of. I tell people you can't. I don't get disappointed with everyone because some people just don't have the capacity to get me disappointed because I don't have much. I don't put much hope in some people. Not that I, I'm above or I feel I'm better. I'll just, it, it's almost like um, the idea of betrayal. You can only be betrayed by friends, people that know you. 
So you understand what I'm saying? So uh, betrayal never comes from strangers. And so when it comes to this, the idea of what we're going through now with this persecution, I, I call it persecution, um, mm-hmm. of the church and of faith in, in particular, I, I consider it as something that is not surprises, not astonishing. It's something that I was actually prepared for because of what the scripture said. And so we're going to talk some more about that as we go along and, and how we need to navigate through the world that we're living in and the whole idea of free speech and tolerance and freedom of religion and all those uh, buzzwords that are coming out of the Constitution and the challenges of living in the times that we're living in with um, convictions, faith convictions in particular. That's, you know, it's it's sad, but it's something we should have been expecting. Okay, but... I, I, I'm sorry, as as prepared as maybe mm-hmm. you should be or even you might be, right. it still doesn't make it any less disappointing, Correct. annoying, yeah. uh, frustrating. I mean, a whole gamut of words. A whole gamut use, of words, right, right. <sighs> You're absolutely but, right. So, so but I, let's, before we get into, I guess, more of the spiritual thing, can we look right. at it for just a minute? On a secular perspective, and what I, what yes. I mean by that is looking at why our country was established. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Did we forget um, right. our First Amendment? Um, okay. And I found something: uh, Amendment One, Congress should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's the first lo- words in the First Amendment. So, right. and, and then the other thing that gets me, um, and like I don't like I said, I don't really know much about Greg Laurie. I've you know heard of him. You know, I appreciate anyone that's trying to get the word of God out there to the masses. Yes. Um, but for, I just, to me, felt like. And I know you what was old folks so you got to pick and choose your battles, but I just felt like he gave up a little bit too quick, oh, you know, wow. by okay. volunteering to, okay, I'll go ahead and take the billboard down. I'm so sorry, you know. And I don't know if those were the words or whatever case may be, but used, it was just right, like, right. you know, it was just too quick of a response to just say, okay, sorry, I'm, I'll take it down and everything. And he probably isn't really worried because, from what I understand, he has the numbers. Yeah, but, he, yeah, yeah. That, just just looking at that story, and I and I did glance at that story be, before you even um, had reached out. I had seen that article, and I, I, I glossed over it, and I saw what had happened. And the reason I glossed over it, and, and it's because of the context and, and the background. Greg Laurie, mm-hmm. of, of any, he's an evangelist. He, he, he would never tell you he's a pastor. He's an evangelist, been around okay. for quite some time. And he has a huge following. I mean, mm-hmm. he was doing stadiums and arenas for years before. He, he, he was doing a long when Billy Graham was graying and getting tired and slowing down, he was mm-hmm. doing arenas. And so um, Greg Laurie has, and he's by no means a controversial figure. And what do I mm-hmm. mean by that is he doesn't, um, he doesn't, uh, he's not in drama. He, he There's no, there, I can't think of a negative news article relative to uh, Greg Laurie. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of um, his response, I'm not surprised that he responded the way that he responded um, okay. to the situation because he's more about let me just get the gospel out. I don't need to be in the news I don't need to be involved in anything extra. Um, let me just – I don't need to make this a fight like you said. Let me just um, 
Let me just do what I do. Let me just do what I do and preach the gospel, get the word out there. And he caters his ministry to unchurched people. He caters his ministry to the very people that are opposing him having a Bible, if you get what I'm going. So his okay. whole entire ministry, he does he 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 fashions himself in a way which I think is excellent as an evangelist. That's what you're called to. He doesn't mm-hmm. he's not into gathering arenas of church people. He's not into contacting the local churches and saying, Well, I'm gonna have something at um LA Stadium or wherever it is and I need you to send a hundred members of your church to support. That's not his thing. His okay. thing is reaching the unchurched. So I know, not not necessarily like I know him personally, but I can see his psychology behind the response. His psychology is that I'm trying to reach these people. These are people I'm trying to reach. If I respond quickly and I take this thing down, then they may be more apt to even dialogue with me. They may be more apt to, well, he's actually demonstrating it all goes back to the kind of, uh, of time that we're living in. The times that we're living in, unfortunately, the church has a bad image. And the bad image is because there's some people that have aligned themselves with the church that are standing for some things that aren't even biblical or Christian or righteous mm-hmm. <laughs> or just. And let's so, go to our last election and talk about Okay, let's talk about that. You know, we, we could go, I could spend the next mm. few evenings talking about this. But the whole mm-hmm. idea of when, when, the, when America, that is cynical and critical of faith, looks out, and when they hear the word Christian, there are a, a number of images that come to mind, and most of those images are negative. Greg Laurie is saying, I want to change that. So instead of me doing some fight back and forth with these people, let me concede and let the word do the work and let, you know, even in my gesture, they'll say, oh, he's a understanding Christian and go from there. Now, some of us may look at that and say, well, he conceded too easily. We need to fight. Um, but we also got to think about the whole, if we look at Jesus Christ, if we look at how Jesus approached things, and I tell people Jesus wasn't just this conceited, um, conceding, compassionate, um, jellyback, bending over for everybody type of guy, but he he did approach different situations differently. So there were times, many times throughout Scripture and the Gospels, when Jesus was confronted by those who were clearly opposed to him. There were times even when they tried to trip him up. There were times when they tried to catch him out there, have him say something off. There were times when they were like the woman with the, um, that was caught in the very act of adultery. What is he going to do now? The law says this, and if he's from God and God's law says this, then he should think this way. And he should. But Jesus turned that whole table around and says, you know, if he does without sin, cast the first stone. Nobody was able to, they all walked away, dropped their stones. And then Jesus says, where are your accusers? Neither do I. Now, he, he said, I'm not accusing you. But then he tells her, go and sin no more. So he didn't accuse her of anything, but she was guilty. <laughs> And so at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's about how can I, what would Jesus do? And I believe that was what Greg Laurie was saying. What would Jesus mm-hmm. do in this? Would Jesus make this a debate and get on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever, and say, well, I'm a Christian. I have the right to do this. We know what rights we have. Paul said it this way. Everything may be convenient, but it's not expedient. In other words, um, and then he said, I became all things to all men that I may win some. And it's not that Paul hung up his faith and became a Muslim or hung up his – he said, I need to stop 
and see life through the eyes of these other people and see how I'm being perceived. And when I see stop and see life through the lens of their perceptions, then I can approach them and say, well, that's how I react as a human being, but I have Christ in me. And Christ in me respects your faith and respects what you believe. Although I know the Christ in me is what you need also, I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose Christ. You don't force. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door wasn't the church door. He was standing at the door of our hearts, God says. I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. I'm not going to barge in. I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm going to show you all the love that I can show you in that after showing you love, you say, you know what, because of all this love he's shown me, I need to requite that love and give him something back. And I believe that that's the vein in which, again, I don't know the man personally, but I can see if I was in his shoes and having his background and having his perspective and having his point of view, I could see why he responded the way he responded. I'm here with Pastor Hugh Harmon of Bridging the Gap, one of our shows on the Never Had It So Good Network. This is Steve's Power Hour of Never Had It So Good Entertainment. The number, if you have a question for Pastor Hugh, you want to join in, it's 516-387-1944. That's 516-387-1944. When we come back to the break, Pastor, I want to ask you about something you just said. Uh, okay. Uh, because uh, we have this perception of how Jesus handled it or what would Jesus do, but um, I want to get into something else in terms of how Jesus handled a different situation, let's say. This okay. is Steve's Power Hour on Never Had a Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had Us So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm here with Pastor Hugh Harmon of Bridging the Gap that airs on Never Had Us So Good Entertainment. And, well, and I want to ask you about, you were talking about how the way uh, Greg Laurie handled the issue with the billboard. If those of you don't know what, I, what we're talking about today, I have posted the information on G's Power Hour Facebook page. But just for uh, simple purposes, uh, Greg Laurie, who's an evangelist, was asked to remove a billboard that he was using to promote an upcoming event because uh, it held, or well, he got, I guess, let's say some feedback, and he just decided to take it down because he was holding a Bible in his hand. Uh, and and I, personally, I say, if you're afraid of a picture of a man with a Bible in his hand, it, it, you, you know, how do you feel about the actual Bible? <laughs> it's a book. Right. Well, c- c- correction, it's a, it's a group of books. Okay. Um, but what I want to ask you is mm-hmm. about this, what would Jesus do? And we all seem to look at I guess, Jesus in this peaceful and passive type of light. Right. But Correct. he was quite controversial, and even at one point we have the story about him turning the tables in the temple. Correct. Okay. 
but I guess because there's only one such story, and I don't know if it was maybe an attempt by uh, his apostles and disciples to give him, I guess, a little bit better press, as we would call right. it this, these days, um, gotcha. that you don't hear a lot about. Maybe he might have done some other things. Um, I, I guess what I'm looking for, what my fear of by just following the peaceful and passive type of path mm-hmm. is that you you kind of keep getting piled on and piled on with more and more of these types of, of um, actions that that have or happen to people who are of, of great faith. Right. Um, so I guess what what I am concerned about because I, to be honest. I personally, especially when it ter- comes uh, in terms of what happens to African Americans, I haven't really seen a lot of action by pastors right. Correct. since the civil rights movement. Okay? Absolutely. I, I I am looking for someone in the church that I can identify mm-hmm. as an effective and, and powerful leader. To address social issues, and right. I'm really having a hard time. <laughs> so you asked me... a powerful question, a powerful question, and I and I got some answers. Now, okay, go. I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this. <laughs> and let's let's backtrack. Let's go talk. I'm yeah, because I know I got a first. lot in there. So <laughs> I know you threw a lot in, but we'll start where you started first. And I and I think is about context and perspective. Yes, Jesus overturned tables, pulled out a whip, beat some people out of the temple. But I always put it this way. That was his temple. That was his father's house. It's one thing when you confront me in the public square, which is for the public. But when you come to my house and you try to tell me what to do in my house, then I have the right to be... uh, you know, as violent and as Bible says, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I can be as forceful as I want to be in my house. When we look at Jesus and his response, forceful or, and sometimes his force wasn't that he used any, he didn't need to use physical force. Sometimes he said some harsh things to some people throughout mm-hmm. scripture. But when he, each of those times that that happened, it was almost as it was an affront to the faith and an affront to the church and an affront to his father. That's when he really got upset to the to the Holy Spirit. When when there was things that were um, said against the Holy Spirit, things that were said against the Father, things that were said against the church, he got belligerent, if you want to say use those words. Um, I don't know if it's blaspheming for say that, but he he wanted to be belli- he got belligerent like. You're not going to do that. But, mm-hmm. and, and the reason I say it like that is it's almost like as a church and using the context of the American society where we talked about freedom of religion right at the beginning and we talked about, and you mentioned, you quoted from the, from the Constitution where it basically says that um, the government should not, and, and I'm paraphrasing, the government does not uphold any particular religion or revoke or, or reject or oppose any particular religion. That You could basically, whatever your religious belief is, you can express that freely in America. That's the ideal. That's the idea. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to go further with that because with, what you said to conclude pulls in all of what, what I just said. That was that's the ideal, that's the that's the ethic, that's the moral that American government is built on, based on, etc. Now, so what that means is in my religious space, in my space of worship, I could put Bibles, I could put a cross, I could put a bleeding Jesus, I could put a Jesus on a cross with with a with a thorns on his head, on his brow and a hole in his side and in his feet and in his hands, you can't dare tell me what I could put up in my church, right? But when it comes to a public space like um, the library, it comes to a public space like uh, the state 
house or the wherever. And and we have these debates going on. Can they have Ten Commandments on the wall of a state house? Can you have mm-hmm. Can you have these uh, nativity scenes downtown in a square? All these different these debates are ongoing debates. Does it violate the Constitution to do those things? Now, okay, because I'm going to ask can, you before you go further. I got to ask go you one quick question before I, I lose track of this and forget. Because you talked about these places of worship, but you talked about buildings. Isn't the kingdom of God? Isn't the place of worship also supposed mm-hmm. to be inside us? That's true. But so now, if we're we if go, we're religious, but if we're religiously tolerant. We can't say uh, everywhere is where we worship because now we, we're in, we can't go into a mosque and say, yeah, the kingdom of God is in me, so I'm going to worship God in your mosque, which is you can choose to do that, and, and, but that be, creates contention now. So okay. that, that brings the idea of tolerance. Do you really, are you going, is that real tolerance if, Yes, that's what we believe. That's what we stand on. That the kingdom of God is not the four walls. It's not um, Church of the Divine or or Lutheran Church or Presbyterian Church or what. It's not that building down the street that has the name Church on it. Yes, we are the Church. True, absolutely. And so that ties into all we've been saying tonight because Greg Laurie is saying I am the church. I represent the church. What I do represents the church. So just let's let's talk about these pastors that went to the White House just a couple of days ago that caused this uproar. They all represented the church. And they all mm-hmm. got up there and for the most part I watched it live. I it wasn't I didn't watch it like other people after the fact. I I was interested because it popped up on my thing. I said, let me watch. This is interesting. Let me see what's going on here. And in representing the church, they got up there and did a praise fest for Donald Trump. I'm like, oh, wow. Really? Like, so so, so the idea of representing the church, we got to be careful that yes, we are the body of Christ. Yes, we are the church. But we got to be careful when we put this moniker on everybody that claims they're representing the church. Because one of the pastors that went the other night to the White House the other day, he, the other night he posted his response to all of the backlash and people being upset was simply touch not God's anointed and do his prophet no harm. I'm trying to help y'all out. And if y'all don't understand that I'm trying to help y'all out, I can't. All I can do is pray for y'all. And to tie all of all, all of what I've said to, to make some sense of what I've said, plus the whole idea of social justice. And you said you're looking for someone that's out there that really speaks to the issues of social justice like the church used to. I don't think yeah. we're gonna I don't think we're gonna see that. And that's unfortunate. I don't think we're going to have – there yeah. are those that's out really there that – That's really upsetting to me. Yeah. <laughs> that really yeah. is. You're not there helping there me are today. those <laughs> out there that do that, and I do that. I talk – my congregation could tell you I don't care what the issue is. They're going to hear about it across the pulpit. If they're, if they're not cognizant enough watching it on the, on the news or paying attention to it, they're going to find out about it from Pastor Harmon. We're going to talk about it. And I'm going to put out what the Bible says about it. I'm going to put out how disgraceful it is and so forth and so on and how we need to do better as a church. But that whole idea of, and I always think of it as the Martin Luther King syndrome, we're looking for Martin Luther King to come out of it. There are people out there that are doing great work, but as a collect, and this is the power of Martin Luther King, right? When Martin Luther mm-hmm. King did what he did, our our society, black folk, north, south, east, and west, were relatively unified. We all felt, yes, we all need changes in these areas because it all it affects all of us. So it wasn't just a South Carolina, Birmingham, Florida, um, black folk living in the south. Black folk living in the north 
knew the deal. Like, yeah, the North didn't have slavery, but, okay, they were facing the same discrimination when they left the South, came up to Chicago's and the Detroit's and the New York's, uh, and, and a lot of people are disill- disillusioned that New York City had so many, Harlem had so many black people, and Brooklyn, and there were so many black people in the in the Northeast that they weren't seeing the hell that the blacks were seeing in the South. That was a facade and a joke. Like, they were seeing just as much discrimination. So when Martin Luther King stepped out of the shadows, this young guy, because he was very young, and mm-hmm. and said, I'm not just going to preach uh, the parables. I'm not just going to preach this kind Jesus. I'm going to talk about how we as Christians and we representing Christ need to be talking about hungry kids going to sleep at night without food, mm-hmm. um, um, black unemployment, about blacks having to sit in the back of the bus, about blacks having to eat at the back of the restaurant door, about blacks having to um, sleep in their cars because hotels won't, won't take them when they take trips, about blacks not being able to use swimming pools or even go to the beach, you know, because you're black. Um, and, and then there's this large swath of Southern white Christians that uphold, that upheld Jim Crow and upheld all of these uh, discriminatory laws and thought it was aligned with the Bible. And so there was a collective um, necessity for a voice like Martin Luther King. You know what we have today? We, today we have factions of black people that think they have arrived, <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> factions of black people that think the black struggle does not concern them because they're not struggling in their eyes. <laughs> there's, okay. there's a faction of black people that go to church, to mega churches, and their concern is about making mega money. I'm, mm-hmm. I can say it plain and simple. When you hear a message from a preacher, uh, every if he if he has four messages, three of those four messages are about how to get into the money flow, how to make more money, how to get a big house, how to have a airplane, how to have a Bentley, how to live in a gated community, how to be prosperous economically, how to be CEO of your own company. How, if if your whole gospel is money driven mm-hmm. and and yes that actually that gospel is working to win some people to church houses in poor communities because they're mm-hmm. looking at a pastor who's affluent and saying wow mm-hmm. and the pastor is saying and I, I say it without any regret. I don't take my words back. The pastor is saying, if you do like I do and you sow like I sow and you you uh, um, you send in this seed and you get this holy oil and you do this and you do that. And the third, you do like I do, you're going to live like I live. And you're going to be able to stay in the gated community like I stay in, the, in, in my gated community. And I'm not going to get out here and shout and be passionate and scream. Uh, let's just, I want to teach you because I, them shouting churches, they all broke. They don't have nothing over there. Uh, but if you want to get something, you come to this church. Look at, look at the cars in our parking lot. And I've heard this kind of preaching. Mm-hmm. Look at the cars that are parked in our parking lot. Look at, you know, y'all know the communities where we live in this church. You know, you know, we doing it at this church, which is a shallow gospel. It is a shallow. Yes. If you cannot take the gospel to Africa, to the Caribbean, to South America, and preach to those people that do not have the access to money you have, do not have the access to jobs you have, do not have the access to the freedoms you have, and it still not be the gospel, it is not a gospel. And so uh, it, it's it's motivational speaking. It might inspire people. It might move people, but it's not the gospel. And that's the problem we have today. And look look at the world. The, the the church is really a microcosm of the world. And what I mean by that is, even in this whole idea of the NFL, this flag uh, anthem mm. kneeling situation, 
right? Oh, that's think a about whole other thing. Yeah. That's a whole nother can of worms. Let's think about it this way. When yeah. those when those athletes originally started taking knees and saying, I'm kneeling for the injustices that African Americans have gone through in this country and I just choose to do it during the time when the anthem is played because that's when we aren't on the field of play and uh, um, the focus, it, it, it gets the attention of people when you do things mm-hmm. like that at that particular time, right? Right. And when you hear people say, well, and then what happened to Colin Kaepernick as a result? And then you hear in our society, in our, we can't unite on that. There was a big push. Let's boycott watching the NFL. Oh, my goodness. It was like, I'm a man, so I go to the barbershop, and I hear, I mean, guys were so mad with each other. Man, I ain't ain't quitting watching my football just because they kneel. I don't care. I'm going to watch my foot. Like, really? Like, like, I'm like, really? Brother, you cannot see beyond entertainment. To say, yeah. whoa, this is damage. This is destroying our communities. Like, yes, there are. There's black on black crime. We will not. We can't say that that doesn't exist. Yes, that does exist. But mm-hmm. where do we start? We start at what we see as blatant um, injustice. This play, if if I'm watching the news and every night there's another incident where a young black man running away from the cops, away, mm-hmm. is shot. Mm-hmm. And the story comes out that this young man, the cop said, he feared. How are you fearing for your life when the man's back is turned to you and he's running away? But and as preachers, there's some preachers that will tell you straight up, uh, that's I don't want, I don't focus on that kind of stuff. I just focus on getting money to my people so that they can live better wow. lives. I'm telling you, that how that's how callous we've gotten in the body of Christ. And it is because and and like you said, you can go through YouTube, you can do a diagnostic of preaching sermons of even mm-hmm. all those guys that sat around that desk in the White House. None of them have ever preached, taught, spoken out a line in their sermons about the injustices that we've all witnessed on the news. In, in some cases, Michael Brown, um, Trayvon Martin, uh, uh, Tamir Rice, all of the names I could list off, mm-hmm. some of these same preachers and leaders have said that out of, their, out of their mouths, well, if they weren't thugs already and didn't have a record, then they won't wow. be encountering the police. Wow. And so <laughs> that's why I had to, to, to go direct to, to the source to tell you, a voice like Martin Luther King, there's, a, there's Dr. Frederick Haynes out of Texas. He's the closest yeah. thing you're going to get. And you could pull up, look him up on YouTube. He's the closest thing you're going to get today to a voice like Martin Luther King, but he's a voice that has been marginalized because even that social justice gospel is marginalized and it's considered this um, this uh, black gospel that's really not biblical and they're too they're concentrating too much on news items and news issues and news articles and that's why when people look at the church they're like what are we really the church is this Jekyll and Hyde <laughs> yeah you know what yeah. i mean like it's it's yeah. really tr- it's really troubling like wh- wh- what are we like who who are we and the divisions, the denomina- there's so many denominations and so many reformations, and uh, we all believe this, and we 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 believe this, but we all say we worship Christ. <laughs> we all say we, we're Christian, and, and then mm-hmm. there, there are Christians marching in the streets for uh, abortion. But the same Christians marching in the street against abortion are the same Christians that are marching or are complaining about social services for young mothers that have many children 
that they don't have help with. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> they want to take the food and, and the money away from those young mothers that they told don't have an abortion. And I'm not for abortion either. But my thing is, don't play that you're for babies and and then you don't care about when those babies become children and uh, infants and adults and people. You know what I mean? Like, let's be honest. Yes, abortion is wrong. But cutting all of these social security services and food, yes, there are people that abuse food stamps. We know that. There are people that abuse abortions. We know there are people that, you know, do it just, you know, because they want to continue living a certain lifestyle and, they're going to do what they do. But we got to okay. always, you know what I mean? You, you, oh, goodness gracious, you brought up so much. Um, <laughs> and, not, and it's not like these things were on my mind. I, and I was trying to, trying to be Right, and I apologize on, on if, I, if I went on and on and on. No, don't apologize. Please don't. Please don't. But this is my thing. Okay. Um, gosh, where to begin? Okay. First. Yes. When did... Did this, oh goodness, change, I'll just say, take place where the preachers lost? When did we, get, when did we all get lost? Okay, let me, let me just put it like that. I, I let me, got let me just, And okay. I'm going to say something real controversial okay. in response to hey, that. Okay, but before, <laughs> I know, so I'm, so I'm going to give it to you, but let me just <laughs> ask that because, um, like you talked about Dr. King, but the thing about yeah. it is Dr. King was not, was kind of a reluctant martyr, so to speak. He had Correct. to have support. Correct. So there were people that were of the same mind frame that uh, that helped, that were, were his backbone and helped support him. So that's key. The, the other thing is, though, and I may be speaking out of turn, and I'm going to make some people mad, okay? Right. Go ahead. But we got religious leaders out there evangelists, we got people that are starting storefront churches that have had no training or whatever, although, you know, <laughs> right. there's some people that argue that you don't need training. But at the same time, I believe one of the reasons that we don't have the religious leaders that we should have is because there's a good number of them that are, that don't want to get caught in the sins that they are preaching against. There are those that are swindlers and adulterers, you know, and, yeah, you know, I'm throwing stones, and, yeah, y'all can throw some back, because I I always say I'm a flawed Christian, so I always put that out there like that. I am not perfect. I'm I'm working on it. I still may not make it, but I'm trying. But. I believe that there are, and like you said, there's people that are, you know, they're more focused on the money and, and all, and so many other different things that to ask them to put themselves out there, they feel like they're going to jeopardize all of the stuff that they got. But when did they get lost in terms of they don't realize that they're actually supposed to be working for the gain of heaven and not the gain of earth. Right, right. That that shift happened. There's there's a lot of debate over it, but I say I would say from research and study, that shift happened in the um, mid to late '80s, early '90s, when the gospel, the prosperity gospel, um, took flight in America. Um, and the attraction of the prosperity gospel, let me put it this way, and and when people really look at it, some may say, oh, Pastor Harmon's talking out the side of his mouth. But my my thought is this. Um, money is a powerful thing. I'm reading a book right now called Homo Sapiens. It's actually a book written by, I guess he's, I would consider him an atheist. Um, I picked it up in the airport. I was in Boston a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I just felt let me be biased. But I, I, I was interested in something to read, looking at something to read, and I saw this on, and it was a bestseller book. It's called Homo Sapiens. It's a short history of humanity, and in the book, it talked about the power of money, 
uh, one of the chapters, and it talks about how as much as money has been maligned by many of the faiths, many of the religions of the world, it talks mm-hmm. about how money has a powerful way of bringing us all together, even folk that mm-hmm. don't like each other. Like, uh, it talked about how Os- as much as it, there was a quote from the book that said, as much as Osama bin Laden hated Americans and hated the idea of America, he loved mm-hmm. American money. He loved American yep. money, right? He that's mm-hmm. the only money he used. Okay, so oh let me put it. So let me put it this way: uh, when the gospel, the prosperity gospel, when it started, it started at a time when America, quote unquote, was uh, prosperous. Um, mm-hmm. Black folk unemployment was still relatively high but for the most part people weren't starving there wasn't a lot of people had homes this was before the 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 economic the housing bubble popped people had homes even though they might not have been able to afford them (laughs) they had cars they had decent jobs even if it was just a factory job um so for them, there was really this turn. They started this term started to be thrown out into the world, post-racial America. I don't know if you remember that term, especially when President Obama got right. elected the first mm-hmm. time. They was like, "Post, we are past, <laughs> you know, we, you know, we're past." Oh my God, they elected a black man to prison. We're past. This is post-racial America. You know, we really. We are now the beacon light of the world. The world can really take an example from us. We were, there was comparisons drawn to America and South Africa, you know, maligning South Africa as this archaic, evil nation that had apartheid. Look at us. Yeah, we had slavery, but look now. There's a black guy who, whose parents could have been descendants of slaves, could have been slaves. His descendants could have been slaves, all that stuff. Now, yeah. during that time, because of how well folk were doing preachers started to say and 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 people might debate me on this and preachers started to say um and like you said there are a lot of people out there that just popped up and opened up churches no training preaching pastoring is the the most loose profession there is with regard to regulations they know regulations i could uh, Johnny could wake up tomorrow and say, I want to start a church, um, purchase a building, per- rent out a little space, put a sign up, call himself bishop, apostle, yep. you know, yeah. whatever. And people will follow him and nobody can, nobody can re- like say, sir, you haven't done this, you haven't done that, you haven't, no. There's no regulation of it. And so you, you when you have a, a, a Influx of people like that And During the 80s What happens And I, it's, It may sound like I'm talking all over Because there's stuff coming back to me now During that time mm-hmm. um, there's, a, there's Research that shows Prior to that time Preaching, pastoring Leading the church Was not even considered a Real form of employment Mm-hmm. Quickly after that, there were ads being run in magazines, Essence, Ebony, etc., mm-hmm. of becoming a pastor. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. take this course, pay twenty five dollars, pay fifty dollars, pay a hundred dollars, you be a bishop of your own church, and so it became this really viable career. So people mm-hmm. are getting into the quote unquote. Uh, inverted commas, calling of pastorship, but it's really a professional move. Meaning, mm-hmm. I didn't do, I didn't, and, and a lot of these, the people that did that were people that didn't necessarily even have a GED. They didn't finish school. They, you know, they were unsuccessful in another area of their lives. They looked out and saw that these preachers that were now preaching this message of um, sowing and reaping and uh, that it's really about, and that hung on to that scripture that says, um, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And yeah. so 
when you hang on to that and you make abundance about wealth and prosperity, abundance about what you're driving, abundance about where you're living, abundance about how many clothes you have, abundance about having gold toilet seats in your house. And literally, this was stuff that was in Ebony, Essence, Magazine, where you have images of these people that would call themselves ministers that had all this living in opulence. I mean, absolute riches. And so when you come into a poor community, and your message is, if you get Jesus, you can live like I'm living? Oh, man. That's in, what? I want that, too. I want to live like that. And so this shit okay. started happening. And it moves from, uh, it's really not about being righteous. It's really not about caring for the least and the less and the disadvantaged. It's about, mm-hmm. because the least and the less and the disadvantaged is you. <laughs> so it's really by caring about me. It becomes this me-centric gospel. It becomes this self-centered gospel. It becomes um, if I give enough of this, then I get this much. It's, it's all about what can I get from God. So people will join ministries, and when they find out, well, he preaches too much holiness. He preaches too much. Well, the street, the church down the street, uh, they don't get into all that. You hear messages like, you know, I'm not going to talk about sin because you already know what's what's wrong, what's right. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about how you need to, um, you know, five ways to become successful in your business, three ways to become um, prosperous, four ways to become so forth and so on. So the gospel becomes motivational speaking. It becomes. Okay. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So yeah, when Martin Luther when Martin Luther so King, I, one one last just, point. When Martin Luther King was doing what he uh-huh. was doing, and he was Southern Baptist, uh, a lot of people think that that was the. A lot of people that look at history from a slanted view think, well, that was a Southern Baptist thing. No, Charles H. Mason, Church of God in Christ founder and leader for many years before he passed, he, um, Martin Luther King spoke at church at Mason Temple. It was where he. Had his last speech It was in Mason Temple Before he got assassinated So it wasn't just a Southern black Pentecostal blacks Quote unquote apostolic blacks uh, Black churches All were united In the cause of We all are tired of sitting on the back of the bus We all are tired of being Discriminated against we are, it's not just a Southern Baptist thing. So he was preaching across the circuit. He he was hitting all kinds of things. He he was dealing all kinds of arenas. And so there was at, at one point in American church history, not that long ago, um, the and then unfortunate. This is the controversial thing I'm going to say <laughs> is that. Uh, that prosperity gospel, when it started pre- when, when when black pastors started preaching that and the churches started to grow, they got accepted into the fold of the evangelical church, and the evangelical church said, "Hey man, oh they, that's that's a good gospel because the prosperity gospel is not just a gospel; it's a political ideology, and it's a political ideology that says." Pull yourself up by your bootstraps because prosperity gospel does not believe in social services. Prosperity gospel does not believe in welfare. Prosperity gospel preaches that all that stuff is you are, you don't have enough faith. Uh, you're out of the will of God. And so <laughs> we, when the Bible says true religion is when you take care of the widows and the fatherless, and the unfortunate, those that can't do. That's true religion. That's what the scriptures say. But when you are now espousing a gospel that says people that are in that condition are faithless, lacking faith, uh, they don't know Jesus enough, they don't have enough of a relationship, they don't pr- they're not praying enough, they're certainly not sowing enough, that whole Prosperity gospel is a political ideology that the evangelical white church says, hey, I like those group of black guys because they're telling those people 
pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You, you know, you should be doing better than how you're doing. And so it becomes a works gospel and not a grace gospel. And it's interesting what you said in terms of, and we do need to probably maybe do a, a defining line and say, this is preaching the gospel and this is motivational speaking. Because, yeah, Correct. I think that line has gotten blurred. You know? Right. Um, and we don't have a lot of time. But I, I just, like I said, and do you, can you come back on next week sometime? <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can. You just tell me. Uh, on on Thursday, next Thursday. Uh, I can't do Thursday, but we'll we'll get you. you. If we can't get you on next week. We'll get you on soon. You yeah. just let but, me know. Give me give me twenty four hour notice, and I'll be on. Okay, great. Now this is this is my issue also. You know, is that and this show is not just about black people, but because I am an African American woman, there are certain issues that concern me, and because I have this platform. Right. I'm going yes. to talk about them. Yes. Um, when did we lose our self-worth? That's what I want to know. Wow. And I actually want to change, to, to, to take that back to desegregation. And the reason I say that, the reason I'm asking this, and we don't have a lot of time, so that's why I'm going to ask you about doing, about right. doing it next week. But I say when did we lose our self-worth because before – Desegregation. We had businesses. Mm. We had our own land. We had because we had and we had our own doctors because and we had our own restaurants because we could not go over there. Correct. So Correct. we had what we had and we were fine with it and it was good. And then desegregation happened and then all of a sudden, the grass was always greener on the other side. The problem to me being it was still their grass. Right, okay. right, absolutely. It, it wasn't our grass. But now, but because we valued or, or see this, we coveted something that someone else had, we devalued ourselves. Correct. We didn't, and, and the, I think the whole thing with the prosperity gospel made a way for us to get what someone else had, right? Instead of appreciating right what we have and in in actually increasing the value of what we have. We bought we bought into the, the, the that what they got is better than what we got, and that really Correct. wasn't necessarily the case because we had to work a lot harder and make it more of more quality, a better quality. Not like my mom used to always say, "You're gonna to have to work twice as hard to, to even you know catch up, you know, to wow. even be as good, you know." And, and so you know, the thing is, we had to work twice as hard to keep what we had and to make it appealing to to the audience that we we had. Right. Right. So that's just my theory. Okay. Um so I think that's part of the the appeal of the like you said, the prosperity gospel. Right. Um, and, and and we're living in a time now where um you hear this language like millennials are are abandoning the church. And it's because of that, you know. Yeah. I heard somebody say something like, um, you know, millennials are young people that these are like late eighties, early nineties babies. Nineties babies are mm-hmm. considered um, entitled. They feel that they're entitled to this and to that and the third, and they have these skewed ideas of relationship. And that, but someone said it's interesting when we were coming up in the seventies. And late sixties um there was uh Richard Pryor who had and this is the actual example the person gave they said Richard Pryor had about seven wives Quickly. but he but he Sorry. never he never lost respect in the black community he was always respected mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. then they said uh 
then uh, uh, Bill Cosby came along, and you know there was rumors about what Bill Cosby was doing. <laughs> now we hear all mm-hmm. these accusations that have come out. Uh, right. But again, they they listed off all these black celebrities who were not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but our society held on to them, held them up in deference and honor. They were considered idols or icons in our community. And now they say, but but nowadays, this millennial group, this group of millennials, the moment they find out of your about your, let's put it this way. Back in the Quickly. day, we defended people even though we knew they were wrong because there was something about them that had t- taken them to iconic status among us and something we felt needed to be valued and held on to. And we can't, we can't take away everything they've done because of this indiscretion. But right. this new millennial group, I don't care what you've done. When they find out one thing about you, you're done. You are Pastor no Hughes, longer of value to them. Because like I said, we're going to have to have you back because we've got to go. And I, I am so sorry to cut you I off. Understand. But I understand. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to get back in touch with you because we definitely got to continue our conversation. Yes. Pastor Hugh, his show is called Bridging the Gap. Tune into it. I never had it so good radio. I am your host, Dee's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. Please, everyone, have a blessed day, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. Hello? Am I on? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming tonight. I got a young man I wanted to introduce you to. We call him Ike Knight. Oh, yeah. I'm a music major.
Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z.